We've talked to a lot of copywriters on the Copywriter Club podcast about building their teams and getting help from others as they build their business. But what if you're not ready for a team? Or what if you've decided to keep your business as lean as possible, so no team? Our guest today has a very unique one-person approach to surrounding herself with a team to help with idea generation, eliminating fear, and getting things done. She may be the only one in the room, but there are three other advisors ready to help when she needs them. And if you're wondering how the heck that's even possible, stay tuned because copywriter, analytics specialist, and food aficionado Allison Carpio is our guest for today's episode. And we think you're going to like her unique approach to building a supportive team. Oh, and fair warning, we talk a lot about food in this episode, so you may want to grab a snack as you sit down to listen to this one so you're not hungry by the end. That's why I have a slice of pizza nearby. And I'm already Because hungry. of that. Yeah. I'm prepared. I'm prepared. So before we dive into the interview with Allison, the sponsor for this week's episode is the Copywriter Think Tank. It's a mastermind and a coaching program that helps copywriters dive deeper and explore ideas they didn't think were possible and actually build out an implementation plan. We're introducing two new coaches inside this mastermind who focus on systems and mindset. So our Think Tank members have the opportunity to ask for support and get one-on-one coaching support from the two of us and also uh, get support from a mindset coach and a systems coach every single month. If you're looking to create a new offer or program to scale your income, launch a book, or maybe even a podcast, the Think Tank could be your next step to making it happen. And if you want more information, head over to copywriterthinktank.com to learn more. All right, let's get to our interview with Allison Carpio. How did you become author, speaker, email, copy coach, owner of the Conversion Kitchen? Hey, hey, well, thanks for having me on here. I started my um, business as going full-time freelance back in 2017 after I spent three months in Spain working remotely and didn't want to go back to an office full-time again. And fully stepping into this CEO head chef role at the Conversion Kitchen, a lot of it had to do with working through my fears as someone who grew up with immigrant parents from the Philippines, because running a business wasn't something that ran in my immediate family. And, you know, with having immigrant parents, we were taught very much a lot about stability, um, decreasing risk, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, a big part of my culture is food. Sharing meals is sacred, cooking together is sacred, and the family parties always had an abundance of food. And every time I came home to visit my parents, they would always ask, hey, did you eat yet? Because, you know, they care if I'm nourished. And also, like, I've always had mentors and coaches who pushed me to start my own email list from the start, speak on stages, speak at high-level masterminds, speak on podcasts like this one, self-publish my own book, launch new offers like my VIP day and my group coaching program. And I've always had support from my people who were cheering me on and connecting me with people. And finally, I've always had ways to invest in my business so that as I grow and evolve, my business evolves with me. 
and now I'm here. Let's talk about the early days of when you started, because it sounds as you've kind of given us this summary, it sounds like you've done all the right things, right? I'm hearing a VIP day. I'm hearing group programs, even a book. So I'm just kind of like, okay, Allison's made it. She's done all of it. I'm sure that's not the case when you're starting out. Can you talk about some of the early days and what you struggled with the most when you were getting the business started? <laughs> yeah. So there's like a couple of different ways I like to think about like getting started was like when I was starting my freelance business and then when I was starting my business where I offer coaching. So the freelance business, I was working full time at a tech company here in San Francisco and I was doing that on the side. So I think the biggest struggle there was like, okay, I need to figure out how to replace this, you know, good tech money income and uh, quit that and still live here because, you know, I didn't want to move. So really struggled with really like stepping out there and, you know, becoming an expert and teaching things and really owning whatever I was owning at the time, which I believe was just, you know, general copywriting for health coaches. So that was a big part of it. And then as coaching, there's this other shift that you, Kieran Rob, likely have heard many, many times of like, okay, are people really going to pay me if I'm not doing the work for them? And that's been something like in the early days that it's something that always, always, always came up because I was good at charging my prices for freelance. But when it came to coaching and when it came to my programs, that is where that, you know, pricing head trash came up a lot. Yeah, I definitely want to hear more about overcoming that. But let's go, you know, back to this time when you're starting your freelance business on the side, you're trying to build that up. How did you start to connect with the clients, the first clients that you got? What were you doing in order to bring them into your business? So I was in communities. <laughs> I was in paid communities. <laughs> and um, because I knew in paid communities, there were people who were looking for copywriters. It wasn't just a free Facebook group necessarily. And I joined some copy mentoring programs, um, specifically ones where they taught you how to build your own freelance business. And there, like, you know, having connections of people who would refer me and I would refer them, having those referral partners was key. Having someone who showed you how to, you know, find clients and, you know, being in places where clients were, all of that really, really helped me to, you know, say goodbye to my tech job that was uh, paying me good money and to become a full-time freelance. So can I, can I ask even a little bit more? So obviously you had somebody who was helping, you know, point the direction and you don't have these pulled up in front of you. I'm sure you probably haven't even kept them, but what did those first pitches look like as you were reaching out to those clients? Oof. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they were necessarily they weren't cold pitches. So let me clarify that. It was really like conversations I had with people who were already looking and they really just got to know me. What I remember is I, I focused a lot on not needing it and really wanting to connect with them and help them. I was also working like full-time as a, a product marketer, which included copy. So I had something to draw from, even though it wasn't, I was working with like fitness and health people. And, you know, I had tech clients or tech copy samples. 
I remember even just saying like, oh yeah, I love, I, I help, you know, fitness and health people, even though I didn't have that proof, that was enough for them to be like, oh yeah, we should definitely work together. And they were really excited to work with me. Can you share the timing? Because I always like to have this sort of context. When did you jump into freelance? And then when did you jump fully in and leave your job? So I jumped into freelance maybe early 2016 and okay. then full-time freelance early 2017. So about a year. Um, I was in Spain for three months uh, right before I jumped into it. And that was that really helped me get some clarity like, ooh, I need to not be at my desk anymore at an office. And then jumping into coaching and offering my own programs as a business owner, that started in 2018, 19-ish. You know how we were just talking about this, how like time is this weird thing now as for yeah. um, and <laughs> the pandemic and such, but I want to say it was like 2018, 2019 or so. Okay, that helps. And when you were moving to full-time and going full-time in your business, what helped you make that jump from, you know, you said it was a well-paying job and make the jump fully into your business. I know it's different for everyone, but what did you need in place in order to to leap? So many things. So many things. <laughs> okay, so let me dive into a couple of them. One of them was support. So there's a couple of different types of support that I like to think of. One is community support. So that's your business besties, that's being in different circles like the Copywriter Club. That's, you know, it could be masterminds, it could be group coaching programs, it could be having a coach, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, there's a lot of support. And then if we dive deeper into that support, there's what I think of as like strategy support, like here are the things to do, here's why you're doing it, et cetera. And then there's mindset support. And I think like, as you know, we all have our mindset trash, our head basura, as I like to say. I think when I when I finally stepped into my business uh, full time was when I really started doing mindset work or deep inner internal work around being a business owner. Because like I said, I they're running a business didn't run in my family. And there are a lot of things I don't tell my parents because they're, <laughs> they're immigrant parents and they're so worried about things that they don't need to be. So there was a lot of that that I had to unpack and work through. So that's support. And then you think of team support, like who, who can help me do the things given that I don't have a ton of time, given that I, you know, my energy, I need to protect it. And really having some team members in place, like having an assistant or hiring a contractor to help me with Facebook ads, really investing in, in that team support. I think we're all really, really insanely helpful. And we hear it all the time, but, you know, I think it was about finding people who were a good fit for me, who were bought into my vision, bought into what I'm doing, who understood the business and who really loved what they were doing that really helped push me to, to do this. So you, you kind of glossed over the head trash piece a little bit, like, you know, you saw the, the thing that you needed to overcome and then magically overcame it. And I'm guessing that it probably wasn't <laughs> that smooth. Talk to us a little bit about that. Like, how did you identify that there were things that were holding you back and then like step through overcoming that so that it wasn't a barrier anymore and that you could move past it and grow. And this is definitely, I mean, I think it's something all of us deal with at some point, especially as we start to grow our own businesses. 100%, 100%. And it, 
and it comes back even more. So let me clarify on that one and saying that it still does come back. <laughs> it will always sure, come yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we're dealing with it all the time too. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so for me, it was a lot of like, so let me just name a lot of it. There's There was a lot of perfectionism that came up. There was a lot of fear of instability. So let me, let me just talk about those two first. So let me address perfectionism. As copywriters, and for me as a copywriter, I'll speak for myself. As I kept speaking on more stages and speaking at these high-level masterminds, speaking on podcasts, becoming an author, even starting my own podcast with one of my best friends from high school, as I, as I did these things, the pressure felt a lot bigger that I had to, my emails had to be a certain way, especially because, you know, I'm an email copy coach, that I had to sound a certain way, that, you know, I really had to, you know, whatever that looked like, it didn't matter. There was just this pressure. And a lot of the times um, I can, I can track back to certain points in my business where that either led to inaction of me saying, you know, F this, I'm, I'm tired, I'm done, I'm going to not do anything. There were times where I actually needed to rest and those are very different. And then there were times where I would overwork myself and just do things that maybe weren't really impactful for my business. So I think having that awareness was good, but also just like having having someone who can help me see that and also like really express it and understand that it's normal really helped me to work through it. I am also a really big, um, I'm big on, <laughs> I'm big on like talking through things and talking out loud. So I, I haven't talked about this on a podcast yet. So you guys are really good at getting this out of me, but I have someone that like I, I visualize and talk to who's like this really wise 60 year old version of myself who just knows everything's going to be okay. And then I have someone who's like, okay, whatever, we know things are going to be okay. And now that you want to do this, let's do the damn thing. And here are your different options of what we're going to do. And let's go and do it. And then I have someone who's like the ideas person who like, you know, anything she says out of her mouth is gold. She's like this visionary chef. Everything she cooks is hella good. And I have those people on my team to really help me to work through a lot of this. And even before I came on this podcast, like I had a conversation with with my quote unquote team, because, you know, they're here supporting me. And I'm remembering all the people that want me to be showing up on these podcasts. They are supporting me and like promoting myself, sharing my stories, et cetera, et cetera. I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So let's start with the people, you know, your team. When did you create them? How did you create them? Why those three particular people on your team? So I want to give credit to my mindset coach. She's amazing. <laughs> she helped me with all of this. I don't understand the exact science of it because I'm, I'm not a mindset coach necessarily, but I will say like, I think it, it we, we chose this team and the setting in which we have this team is like I'm owning a restaurant. So I've talked about how I, my, my brand is called the conversion kitchen. And that's because like, I'm all about food and my people are all about food. And I think of email like this habit of cooking. So if I'm going to make something, it better be damn good. So I imagine I'm in the kitchen. I'm not writing an email, I'm cooking. So I imagine I have this restaurant 
And we have the visionary chef who's just like, you know, anything she says is gold. And she's the ideas person. So when I need to do an ideas brainstorm, I pull in the visionary chef. When I need to take action and figure out and prioritize, I have that other sort of like a consultant person saying, okay, we can do that. Here are your options. Like now let's do the damn thing. And then I have the really wise person who's like done it all before. And she's, you know, she's like, you know, whatever you choose is going to be fine. Like, don't worry about it. And she's there whenever the fear kicks in. So that's why those different roles are really important. And then anytime there's like, like if I'm afraid of saying something on a podcast or, you know, putting something on IG or, you know, hosting a live training, I have a bouncer that I imagine who's like keeping out all of these these trolling customers who are outside. So those are separate from me. Those are just the the people outside the restaurant who are demanding things that they don't need to be. They're like, you know, the the one-star Yelp reviewers who are like, anything you do, it won't matter. They're not your people. They're just not going to be happy about it. But, you, you know, the bouncer will take care of them. So I like this idea for a ton of reasons. It reminds me of Edward de Bono's hats idea where, you know, to be creative, you've got to put on different colors and it gets you into a different mode of thinking and kind of combines that with a personal board of directors or whatever. But do you do something to call up each of these characters or is it just like, okay, I'm I'm now looking at my six-year-old version of myself or you do something to put yourself into the frame of mind in order to step through talking to these other versions of you? Oh, yes. So I, I, I have my kitchen table and it's in my kitchen. Um, I live in San Francisco and, you know, we don't have dining rooms and kitchens. They're like the same thing. <laughs> so it's a, it's a pretty big table and there are three seats there and I arrange them in a very specific way. And each time, each each woman sits at the same seat and I, I stand at the head of the table and I'm talking to them like this is the, you know, we're in the kitchen. This is our business. Like I'm having a meeting with all of you. And also like sometimes when, when I'm done with that, sometimes I just kind of like feel like I'm in a funk and I need to move around. I'm a dancer. Um, I grew up dancing hip hop and hula. So, you know, whatever I have a playlist and I, you know, play some music. Like I remember when I saw both of you at Copy Accelerator two years ago before I went on stage, like I had a whole playlist and I was dancing like in the bathroom, really getting getting out of my head and just moving around because that really, really helps me step into or or call forth that the energy of my team. How long are the meetings typically with this team? <laughs> Depends. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like 10 seconds. 20 seconds. Um, if it's a brainstorm meeting, it could be like five minutes, but the, the length isn't as important as it is as, um, really getting it out there and having those conversations and building those relationships with them. Cause it's like, I've been working with them now for, I want to see a year. So, you know, sometimes we just get each other now. (laughs) I know this is micro, but let's just go there. So when you're having the conversation with these team members and these voices, like, are you actually kind of capturing their voice and speaking out loud to kind of make these characters come to life? Or is it just going on internally? How far does it go? Well, for me, I like to talk out loud to okay, them. Okay, that's right. Okay. With a brainstorm, for example, there was a brainstorm I had in the beginning of the year with my visionary chef. And I was like the, uh, I was the, 
consultant. And I was just like listening to her ideas. What I will say is really important is even when the visionary chef had an idea that I didn't necessarily agree with, I would very much yes and it because this was just a brainstorm. I'm like, yeah, that's a brilliant idea because they liked this before. We've done this before. I've seen this person do this. And I really hyped her up no matter what she said, because there were no bad ideas at the time. So I think it's like me talking out loud, but also really bringing that excitement and that energy to the conversation. And can you talk about just the impact of this? So since you added the team, well, I guess when was this like a recently or a while ago that you added these team members and did this mindset work? Uh, slowly over the course of maybe the past year or so. Okay. So what has been the impact for you? What are some specific changes that you've noticed because you're, you're kind of working this different way and you have this team conversation ongoing? Well, let me tell you, writing emails and speaking on podcasts, speaking on my own podcast, speaking on stages has become so much more easeful. I think I used to like over prepare for things like when I would write my emails or I would over prepare for a talk. But now it's like, okay, as long as I have this, this process and system in place, like I know I'm going to do a damn good job. And I always do. So I saved time. I saved energy. Like business is a lot more fun, you know, because I'm all about having fun and leaning to that joy these days. And also like when I am coaching, like my team is there with me too, because my team is there to um, like my clients feel a lot of the same things often, or they'll like have questions and, you know, that's where the consultant comes in and they have, you know, the options. And then sometimes they need help with ideas and that's where the visionary chef comes in and helps spew out her, her golden nuggets. So it's like, if I were to quantify it, it would be like time and energy, but also just like really feeling damn good about running business and doing this full time. Yeah. Like, like I said, I, I love this idea. It's kind of got my mind running in a bunch of different directions. And I suppose we could probably turn the, this entire conversation into this like personal board of directors. And I want to get to your business and the email and all of the other things that you're doing. Before we jump to like what you're doing today, though, I know you've worked with some really, really big clients, really impressive names in the direct response arena doing email. And I'm curious, you mentioned that most of your pitching was conversations early on in your career. Was that also true of landing these larger clients? Does it start as conversations or did you do something else to connect with those big businesses? So... Yes. And it's also, I think, having, so a lot of them were introductions as well. So for more specifics, I did a lot of, I used to do a lot of A-B testing and split testing. I had a background doing that uh, back when I was working at Kissmetrics. And that was something with split testing in, in the direct response world, there's not many people who understand CRO and split testing who are also understand direct response. So I remember my mentor at the time was like, that's huge. <laughs> that's a big deal. Like there, there's something here. And I think he introduced me to someone and then we got to talking and then I worked with them. And then that client put me in a lot of, well, he put me in rooms, but I also like, was like, Hey, I'm going to give a talk on this. Cause you know, I know I like giving talks and then me going on stage and presenting about this topic 
put me in front of a lot of other different people in the room. And then I had a lot of conversations there as well. So I think it was a lot of joining these masterminds, having something that was quite unique and that I enjoyed doing at the time. And that also, you know, having introductions and really speaking on it and really positioning myself as a leader in that space and someone who has done it and really showing that too. Okay. So I just kind of want to put a wrapper on this because I think this is something that, again, a lot of copywriters struggle with this, but you have done a really good job of stepping into the and owning your expertise and using that really as a lever to, like you said, get on podcasts, get on stages and talk about that stuff. And because of that, you've been able to attract some really impressive clients to your client roster, as opposed to people who maybe struggle with, you know, pitching and and begging for work or even asking for it. And, and because you've been able to do that, it's just had this really big impact on your business from the outside. That's what I'm seeing. And so I'm not sure that this is really a question so much as just noting that this is a really impactful way to attract clients into your business. Yes, absolutely. And I, I want to add to that because I think, at least from what I've seen, there's a lot of stigma around reaching out to people and cold pitching. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think if you can build that muscle, definitely do it. It's a good muscle to have. And also attracting people into your world, highly, highly impactful. Now, you don't necessarily have to have a super unique thing like I did, like A-B testing for direct response businesses. You don't have to do that, but it's really like the way that you approach it. Like for example, I'm specializing copy like, or email copy. So emails was something that I, you know, always kind of offered, but wasn't really like, okay, I'm going big on this. I'm going to be, I'm going to be one of those email people. And, and, you know, there's tons and tons of people who, who uh, specialize in email and offer email offers in their business. But the way that I do it is so damn different from the way someone else does it. Like my people really love food <laughs> and really like the way that I teach in terms of food analogies and we can get into that really speaks to my people because they really want to get out of that noise of all the shoulds of emails and they're like okay I want it I want it to be be fun and I want it to be something that uh, that is creative, but also that sells for my business. Okay. So I definitely want to talk about food more, but before that, because we've been talking so much about building your authority and showing up in such a visible way, it sounds like you've tried just about everything, right? You have the book, you, you speak on stage, you have your own podcast, you've guested on other podcasts, you run workshops. I'm sure the list goes on and on. I'm just wondering which option do you feel like was most effective for you? And I'm sure it's a combination of things, but if someone listening is just like, ah, I can't do all the things. I know I need to experiment, but like what's working for Allison? So I will definitely say my book, Shut Up and Take My Money, even though it's something that I wrote maybe three or four years ago and it's, you know, I've, my messaging and what I'm about has evolved since then. When I, when I talk to people and I'm not even actively promoting the book. Like people are still either downloading or buying the book and people who apply to work with me or they slide in my DMs and, you know, there's a sales conversation there. A lot of the times they're like, yeah, I heard about you because I read your book or your book came at a really good time. So that's one of them because a book will live on. 
it will absolutely 100% live on for a long time. Generally speaking, I will say like what, what works for me is, you know, what is fun for me. Like if, if you were to tell me like, Allison, you have to do a challenge and I don't like doing challenges, then I'd say like, screw it. Challenges don't work for me. (laughs) So there's that piece. But anytime I am showing up on camera or showing up on audio, that is what's really helpful. But when I, when I started to do my own assets, like my own podcasts or my own webinars, that I would say like really, really works for me because now that I've sort of like built an audience, I have people coming into my world. What's great about a webinar or a podcast is it's a lot more personal than my book. So my book is great because it's like, I'm an author. I, you know, a book is very different from a PDF. There's just a different way that people see it. And also uh, when people listen to me on a podcast or they come to my training or they they watch a, a workshop that I've given, it's a lot more personal and they they have a better idea of who I am and they're much more likely to want to work with me. Okay, jumping in here, Kira, as we were listening to the first half of this episode, I have a ton of notes, like like so many bullet points that we could touch on. Probably don't have time to cover them all. So let's jump in with your most important thing. What stood out to you as we were talking with Allison? Okay, if we're starting with most important, what I took away from this entire conversation was the conversation that Allison has with her entire team. Uh, the team, the council in her mind. I, uh, you know, she talks to the wise six-year-old who's very supportive and tells her everything will be okay. She also has the inner consultant on her council who, it, it, that's the voice that tells her to just create the plan and do the damn thing. She has a visionary who shares ideas and it shows up for brainstorming sessions. And then I know she also mentioned a bouncer. I love the idea of the bouncer who helps uh, keep the negative trolls and all those negative voices outside so that they don't interfere with Allison's important work. And so I've, I've done some exercises actually recently trying to target the different voices um, in, in my mind and recognizing the inner critic and starting to name my inner critic. Uh, but I love that Allison has taken it a step further and has named, you know, multiple voices and um, really dived deep into this. And so I appreciate her sharing her inner workings of her, her the inner workings of her mind with us and being vulnerable because that's that's what stood out the most to me and that's what I'm working on personally. Yeah, I really like this idea. That was probably obvious when we were talking with Allison because obviously we had a good discussion about that. But, you know, thinking about uh, yourself in different roles, you know, I, I was thinking, okay, if I'm building a product, you might put on a hat or, you know, take on the role and say, okay, what would this look like if the product is already built? If I'm already an expert in this thing, or, you know, maybe I want to speak on stage. What does that look like if I'm approaching it from an expert speaker standpoint? So there's lots of different ways to incorporate this idea into your business. And I, I love how Allison has done it. I actually think this is a really good idea. It's like, okay, I'm sitting down to do my work. You know, I'm scrolling through Instagram or whatever. I need to get to work. It's time for that six-year-old to poke me in the butt and say, okay, what, you know, what are you running away from? Get on it, right? Or shifting and saying, okay, where are my ideas coming from? And putting on that hat or that 
you know, role, whatever that looks like. I just, I think there's a lot of power in this idea. It kind of relates to the alter ego effect, um, you know, the, the book and the training about those kinds of things. But again, it's just a really powerful idea. I think that can help us step out of the situation that we're in if we're stuck or if we're you know, without ideas, if we need to, you know, take a different path forward and help us see it from different angles. Yeah. And Allison actually has conversations at her kitchen table and works through different ideas with her inner counsel and even has disagreements. And so I just, I enjoyed that visual of Allison and and kind of picturing her doing this. And again, just that it's working for her and the fact that it has helped her in her business and her life, it just makes you want to tap into this rather than, I think it's really easy to just kind of roll your eyes when we start to talk about all these different personalities and voices in your mind. Um, but for me, it's, it, it's the work that I want to do because that mindset work is really important. Rob, what else stood out to you? Yeah. So following along with the team thing, I I think Allison followed that right up talking about this combination of skills that she has. She connects analytics with copywriting and, you know, talked about how that's something that's unique about her. And this is something that we focus a lot on in the accelerator and talk about in our other programs as well, but finding that unique combination of skills, that skill stack that's unique to you. And we all bring different experiences, different uh, talents, different skills, different you know niches, all of this stuff that adds up to make you different so that you stand out and then appeal to the right audience. And so I I know we've talked about this before on the podcast, but every time I hear it, I'm like, this is just such an important thing to do in our business as we're building our authority, as we're trying to show up for our audience that I think oftentimes we overlook it. We think, oh, I'll just focus on this one thing or I'll just lean into copywriting. And it's, yeah, it's copywriting, but it's copywriting in your niche with the other skills and the combinations that really make you stand out. And then once you have that, the authority building, whether it's a book, whether it's showing up on video or audio, like what Allison has been doing, that becomes a lot easier because now you have the things that you want to talk about, the things that connect with your audience. And so that all folds together in a really nice way. Yeah. And it allows you to really stand out, especially when you start to pull in your interests and um, your hobbies. And for Allison, you know, it's talking about food, which came up a lot throughout this interview and is such a big part of her life. And how she talks about emails and about copywriting and about business. And so I love that she took, you know, she went even deeper into her niche by adding these food analogies and just, it, it gives her confidence. So I, I like that she said, when she was talking about her emails, she said, the way that I do it is so damn different from the way someone else does it. And there was just so much confidence in that statement. And that's, I think, the goal for most of us, whether we're writing emails or something else, is to feel so strong about what we do and how it's different and better than everyone else. And you get it through doing what you just shared, Rob, through niching down, through focusing on your positioning and what you're doing differently, and then bringing in those elements of you and your personality and your life that are fun and add that bit of you that no one else has. And again, for her, it's just, it's talking about food and just geeking out on food. And it's so fun. 
Yep. There's so many ways to do it and we can all do it differently. Another thing that really stood out to me was, I think this was in answer to a question that you asked, but when Allison started talking about support, she actually mentioned a whole bunch of different places where we get support. I hadn't really put them all together the way that she did, but she talked about community support and strategy support and mindset support, and then team support and family support. And there's so many places where we go to get support. And maybe everybody doesn't have all of these things, but we can line these things up. And when they're in place, we're just in so much better position to succeed. So, you know, if somebody's listening to this and they think, well, I don't have that community support. Well, you know, join our community or find a community where your people are, or I don't have that strategy support. Talk to other copywriters, find peers who can help you with that, find mentors and coaches. You know, that's part of the reason that we've built some of the programs that we've built is to offer those kinds of things. If you need mindset support or team support or family support, like reach out to those people that can give you that because it's just good to have somebody that's always got your back. Yeah. I like the way that she broke that down too. And thinking about the different categories and yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a great place for a shameless plug, but this is what we try to do. And I think we do it well in the think tank mastermind where we brought in the community support with fellow writers and the strategic support that we provide along with mindset support from our new coach, Linda Perry, And so there are places you can go where those different levels of support are actually under one roof. Um, But I think having this level of awareness just to know like, hey, right now in this quarter, um, I'm focused, I really need help with my mindset and maybe going really deep into mindset. And maybe you don't need to focus on the other elements and you just can work with a coach and really work on your mind. So I like the way that she broke it down. The only other support I would probably add is just health support. So for for me, like just thinking through um, what sources, resources, uh, support I can find to focus on my own health and well-being that is outside of the other categories of support. Yeah, I agree. And it's not just physical health, mental health, there's you know, spiritual health. There's a lot of ways to approach that, right. but, but yeah, I mean, the body that you're in is the body that you work from and that, you know, you use to be a copywriter. And so you've got to take care of that body so that it can support you in all of the other things that you want to do. So I, I think that's a really good addition. Yeah. It's easy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so easy to disassociate from, um, from our bodies. I'm going to say our bodies because I'm not going to make this personal, but especially as writers, we're in our minds so much and we're in the emotion so much. So it is easy to just disconnect from our bodies, but you're right. Our body is the vehicle. Um, so we need to keep that running too. Thanks for think, the reminder, Rob. Well, I think it becomes really clear too, when, when we deal with things like burnout, you know, which sometimes not always, but sometimes comes because we're not taking care of ourselves. We're, you know, we're not getting the exercise. We're not eating right. We're not taking time off or time away. And, and so I, I know Allison wasn't really talking about that. This, this, we're adding this, but it's so critical that we take care of that part of us so that we can show up for the rest of everything we need to do. And she did mention it. She mentioned that she dances and for her, that's what she does before she speaks on stage or if she just kind of wants to prepare for something. And so she actually did mention that that is part of how she prepares and does her best work by dancing and moving the body. So my takeaway from this is I am a copywriter. I use my mind and my emotions to do my best work. 
but I also have a body <laughs> I need to take care of my body too. That's so right. That's my takeaway from this entire conversation. I have a body. <laughs> I like it. Before we move on to the next part of our interview, I want to mention one other thing, kind of at the beginning of the interview, when Allison talked about what she was doing, she was in paid communities and uh, starts offering things like copy mentoring. And I, she specifically mentioned that somebody approached her and asked for help with like health and fitness. And she answered without, you know, any backup or anything. Oh, of course I help people that are in that niche, or I help businesses, companies that do health and fitness, even though she had never done that before. And I, I really like that. I think that's a, a takeaway that a lot of new writers, maybe even people who are shifting to a new, uh, a new niche, new industry, maybe new deliverables can really hold on to is we don't need to prove that we're good at something before we raise our hand and say, I can help you with that because we bring the writing ability, the thinking ability, the strategic thinking that, that we can bring to a project. And even if we're making a shift or we're stepping into something new, we can still help people make progress, even if we haven't done it before. And so I like that she owned that. I like that she basically fearlessly said, yes, I do that. And then takes the time to figure it out or you know to get the help or, or whatever it is. But starting with yes, and then figuring it out, I think is a really good lesson and a good takeaway. Allison also talked about perfectionism and how it shows up in her life and her business. So I was just wondering for you, Rob, do you, do you deal with perfectionism? Is that a struggle for you ever? I think I used to, but I've gotten very comfortable with things not being perfect. I, I mean, you've seen us working together, right? Like nothing ever goes out perfect anymore. I just, the, I think the time required to get something from good enough to perfect should be spent in other places and on other things. And so I think I've adjusted that quite a bit. I still kills me though. Like if we send out an email with a typo or a, a Facebook ad with a typo, like that stuff drives me nuts, but I'm okay with it. How about you? <laughs> I was thinking about it too. Cause I used, I feel like I, I was a perfectionist um, for yeah. most of my life. And only recently in the last few years, I have improved in that area where things don't bother me as much. Maybe they should. Um, maybe I'm going too much in the opposite way where I'm like, it's cool. Send it out. Let's move on. Uh, but I do think the load, I don't know, maybe just like the load of work and the amount of output that we create in the copywriter club has just forced me to kind of let go of a lot of different pieces of it. So my struggle shifted from perfectionism to other struggles that are really fun too they're just new struggles um, to replace the old struggles. There might be something too about just maturity and aging that, you know, it just kind of comes natural where, you know, as we're younger, of course we want things to be perfect or, or we feel like, you know, it's not going to work if it's not perfect. And as we get older, we see other people who are doing enough or whatever. And there's maybe something of that as well that goes into it. And we're just, we're more okay with the imperfections. In fact, sometimes we can appreciate the imperfections for the, you know, the awesome things that they are. So we will continue to send out emails with typos. Probably. Yeah. And yes. Facebook ads with typos and they'll still drive us nuts, <laughs> but it's going to happen. Oh my gosh. We've had, so, yeah, we've had a lot of typos in our Facebook ads. We need to work on that part. Um, I do see it in my daughter too. She's nine and she is a perfectionist. And I see my old self in that. And I'm like, oh, you've got such, such a long way to go. Um, but yes, Rob, we are maturing and um not aging, just maturing. We're not getting older. We're just maturing and getting wiser. There you go. Right? I like that. Let's get back to our interview with Allison and find out how she made a shift in the way she talks to her audience. 
let's talk about how you write to your own list because I noticed, I, I'm sure this was 100% intentional, but you made kind of a voice change in the way you talk to your audience, um, maybe right before the pandemic or, or right around then, where you kind of shifted from that very general direct response here's you know what i know about conversion and really started talking to a very specific audience and when i say specific audience clearly you're t- you're talking to them but you're saying things that in some ways push away the audience that you don't want to talk about anymore will you tell us about that shift and and what you did with your business ooh yes this is juicy so let me start off by saying like what prompted that change was this sort of like realization so I remember being in a mastermind and the person on stage said something that really was like, hmm, I don't know that I like that, sir. He said something along the line. It was about upsells. And he was like, make sure you're always upselling because you never know when you're going to see their money again. And I remember feeling this cringe, like, oh, that, that's not that ain't right. I don't like that. I don't want to be a part of this. Like, screw this. So that was like the moment at which I was like, what am I doing? Should I I quit copy? What can I do? And uh, from there, I I decided, okay, I could either quit copy writing altogether and do something completely different or go back to tech or whatever, or I could, you know, get out of this world. So I think that was driven by a lot of things of like that moment, also my own growth. So, you know, I, I think I said this earlier, but like, as I grew, my business grew with me. So I think making that pivot was a really huge one because I was I was very much um, speaking against a lot of the things I used to teach. There was there was a lot in there because, you know, I think it takes a lot to say like, hey, remember that thing I said years ago or a month ago? Yeah, I don't believe that anymore. <laughs> um, but I think it's like really, really calling that out and naming it and just saying, being clear about that. Like, yeah, I used to I used to come from this world and I'm not about it anymore. And a lot of my people followed me. The people who weren't down with me anymore, they were like, all right, peace out, like unsubscribe. And that's cool. Like I was, I was really thankful for that because that means that, you know, like my people are always going to be down for me. And I, I also know that my people will always change. Um, they will always be pivoting in some way or the other. This was just a really bigger change. So it was, it was yes, Rob, it was very intentional. And it's, it's something that made me feel really damn aligned with my business because I don't think I could have gone full time in my business without that shift. If I were to double down on direct response and split testing, I don't think I could have really been full time. It would always just be this like thing that I kind of did because I knew there was opportunity and I didn't enjoy it. And to be clear, you weren't necessarily saying there's something wrong with upsells. It was the the you know the money grab, the not having the customer as the priority in marketing. And I think that's the shift that you've been making yes. in everything that you've been writing. It's it's not anti marketing. It's anti taking advantage that that kind of a thing. And also it's like, I, I, I think a lot of times in marketing and copywriting, we are taught to either do something strategic or write copy from this place of fear that they're never going to buy from us or they're going to hate us or they're going to unsubscribe or whatever. And that's when we start to do things that are like really, you know, 
misaligned, sleazy. One of my clients calls it bugaboo. She's like, I don't want to be a bugaboo. (laughs) So I I think there's like the fear-based thing or like there's state of doing something when you're fear-based. And then there's a place where you're like, I believe in this shit. Like I believe in my offers. I believe in my brand. I believe in my mission, whatever that is, there's that belief there. And sometimes the action might look the same. Sometimes your copy might sound a little bit the same, but not quite. But when I am in that state, that's when I can cook up that, that, that really good, hella delicious copy. Maybe you can just share a specific example of the new messaging? Because for anyone listening who's not familiar or maybe not on your list and following, you know, they're like, well, what's the shift? I get that you grew personally and that impacted your business. Would you, I mean, I know I'm putting you on the spot, Allison, but is there any example you could share that a real example, maybe an email or that you sent out that captures the new, the new business and the new direction? Yep. Yep. So now like the, the way I look at it, email is um, very much this, it's, I, I, overall, I think it's, it's, it has to be fun. And the way I do that is I teach a lot in food analogy. So for an example, one of the things that my clients all kind of deal with is selling an email, whether they're already doing it or they're not doing it at all, or they kind of do it and they're just like, Ugh, I hate it. There's something, there's some, there's some trash in there about um, selling an email. But the way I like to think about selling an email is like you're at a dinner, um, you've already eaten the entrees, the, the, the server comes and clears your plates and they clean up and wipe off the table and then they come back and then they place the dessert menu on the table. So for the people who are hungry and ready for a dessert, they don't have to ask for it. They're just going to peruse the dessert menu and say, I would like the creme brulee, please. Then there are the people who are like, uh, maybe I might have dessert. I was kind of curious about it, but they'll look at the menu and say, you know, I would also like the creme brulee. And then there are people who are not hungry for dessert at all and they're really full. They really went all in on their entrees and appetizers and they'll say, no, thank you. I'd like to check, please. So selling an email is very much the same as placing the dessert menu on the table at the end of the meal. You're doing it as as a service for them, for the people who want dessert and for ready for it, they don't have to ask for it because it's already there. And that's all they're doing is, you know, placing the dessert menu on the end of the table. So I, a lot of my messaging points are all around food and it's all about email and selling and really getting out of the shoulds of email. So another really common point is I should be selling all the time. I should be emailing more and more and more every day, et cetera, et cetera. And um, my messaging is really all around going against and debunking a lot of these, this, these conventional wisdom and conventional knowledge and putting it into a way that is a lot more food-based and fun and all about cooking. Okay. Yeah, that definitely helps. So a question just kind of around this shift for you, for anyone listening who you know, is growing personally, like we're all, we're all into personal development here. So that's most of us, but as we grow, how can we shift our business so that our business grows with us? Do you have any tips, you know, we can break it down into like a tip or two to help us do that. You, it seems like you did it organically, but it can be challenging for many to make those shifts. So the new business fits and we don't outgrow it. Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say too, well, I talked about this earlier, like ask yourself when, when you are doing something or when you want to make a shift, 
and when you want to grow your business, ask yourself, when are you doing this out of fear and when you're doing this out of belief? And sometimes it's a little bit of both. I think that's like my biggest tip, but you know, I've said this over and over and over, but like have that support because you cannot do this alone. I think the idea of this self-made whatever is a complete myth. Like we don't do things by ourselves. Like we have, you know, we have our peers, we have our mentors, we have our coaches, we have, you know, our families, we have our friends, whatever. Make sure that you are doing that. And also like, find out who your people are and know that there, there are tons and tons and tons of people. I, I still struggle with um, scarcity because, you know, hello, my parents are immigrants and that was like a big thing. And I have to constantly remind myself that like, there are, my people are out there and they are waiting for me. And <laughs> that always helps me with um, making those, those big shifts. Yeah, I, I really like your approach to the way that you email Allison. And it, it's really clear you're writing to your community. I think, you know, as I've read your emails, oftentimes you're talking to women, you're talking to people who are going through the same kinds of transition that you're going through, you know, building their own businesses, that kind of thing. And so I'd love your best piece of advice for building our lists. You're doing it with your list and you're helping your clients do it. But you know, how, if, if that's one of our goals, what are the things that we should be doing to build our own lists? So one thing that my clients often experience is they have like a lot of different lead magnets. <laughs> they have multiple, like one of them in particular had, uh, she's a health habits coach and she had like this training and also this workbook and multiple trainings, et cetera, et cetera. And she was really getting hung up on when to talk about which one and where. And let me also be clear, like she is part-time on her business and wanting to move full-time. So because of where she's at and because of what her lean magnets were about, and she's already, you know, getting on podcasts, she knows not to, you know, rely on organic social media to build her email list. Because of where she's at right now and because, you know, we were just like working on sharpening her messaging, it really made the most sense to what I call bento boxing your lead magnets. She had like three of them. And then all we had to do was combine like the training and the uh, workbook and really bento box them because that made it so much easier for her to talk about them. It was a lot clearer. So that was one of the things. And then the other things is like, this is very this, you may have heard this before, but I think it's worth repeating over and over and over and over. Find the people who, where your people are. And also like, as I'm going to speak to the copywriters right now, find the people who compliment you. So for example, for my VIP days, um, I have a VIP day for a quiz funnel and I have a VIP day for what I call a Be Our Guest Welcome Sequence. So that's for new subscribers. When I think about collaboration opportunities, like whether it's a webinar swap, an email swap, which builds your list, and even referral opportunities, which, you know, bring me referrals. I think about the launch strategists because the launch strategist needs someone who, like for the quiz funnel, it's a very complimentary, you know, pairing. It's a good pairing. I think about the email automation people who focus only on email automation, and then they need someone to help with building the email list and the creative side of it, which is like the copy side. I think about the the like email strategy people because they're like, okay, you know, I have this email strategy for my clients um, and I'm not a copywriter. I don't know how to do that. So I'll 
refer them to Allison. I think about systems people. So one thing that I did recently um, or like a year ago, I did a, a webinar swap with um, one of my friends and also my clients. And she is uh, she's an Airtable fanatic. Like it's amazing how much you could do with Airtable. I had no idea, but she's all about systems and, um, you know, building systems for your business so that you don't have to be overworking all the time and you could enjoy your business. So we did a webinar swap where we hosted webinars for our other people. And I got, I got a lot of opt-ins from that. And I got a lot, I got a, cl- a couple clients from that. And it's because like our audiences overlap. So I would say like, find out where the audience overlap is. Cause I think when people say, find where your people hang out, they think of like, oh, what Facebook groups and what communities can I be a part of? And also who are the people who are good pairings for your business? Yeah. I think that's such a great idea and great way to approach it. As you're talking about your VIP days and talking about the clients you're working with, I'm just wondering how it all fits into your business today. And can you just talk through the structure? You've mentioned different offers, but where are you spending the majority of your time in the business today? And what type of support do you have in the business? In addition to the team members we've talked about, what, you know, are there other team members? What does that look like? Like actual team members I pay. (laughs) (laughs) I I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to say that. Yes. So uh, I have two VIP days. Um, They're both around lead generation. So I have the quiz funnel VIP day. I have the, I have the welcome sequence VIP day and I have some others that I'm thinking of. And honestly, there are some that are back pocket VIP days I haven't talked about. So for example, people in direct response are still coming to me, (laughs) Um, even though I don't work for them anymore, even though I'm not, I'm not speaking on those stages anymore. And I'll have what's called like a back pocket offer of like a VIP day where I help them um, brainstorm their CRO roadmap. I don't do any of the work for them. I am just helping their team brainstorm that out or even like training up their CRO person. That's what I'm willing to do for them. So I don't talk about those, but I talk about the the two VIP days, the quiz funnel and the welcome sequence VIP day. And then I have my group program called Hello Delicious Emails <laughs> uh, because that one has a lot more support. So that's for the people who want more constant support and they don't want just like one day of help. They want like my constant help and like building out the entire email conversion system. So that's, you know, collecting emails, um, connecting with them, and then converting them into clients. So that one is a lot more all-encompassing um, and it's a lot more comprehensive. And yeah, that's I, I, I say a lot of this because I think there's this, um, there's this idea that the only way to go full-time on your business is have only one offer. And that's completely one way to do it. I kind of like having a mix of that. That's, you know, how my restaurant is. I'm not just a one omakase menu type of person. Like I have different options here. Yeah, I like that. Allison, you mentioned your Be Our Guest email sequence uh, or welcome sequence. I'm curious what makes that different from the typical crappy welcome sequence that we all have. <laughs> Maybe not all on this. Yeah, yeah I was going to say all. it doesn't have to. It's probably not crappy. It's probably fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so the way I think of welcome sequences, like not having a welcome sequence at all, is like someone comes to a dinner with you for the first time. Because email to me is like this private one-on-one dinner. It's just you and that other person. You can't see anyone else who's there. It's just you and that person in this room. 
And not having a welcome sequence is like your customer comes in, they sit down with you and no one's here. There's no menus. They're like, is this place even open? They, you know, no one's talking. There's no conversation going on and they're, they're hungry, but they're like, okay, I don't, is this place open? Maybe I'm going to leave. Uh, be our guest welcome sequence. If you if you've ever watched Beauty and the Beast, and you remember when Belle was invited to dinner by Lumiere, Cogsworth, and Mrs. Potts, at first she wasn't hungry, but she's like, okay, like I'll eat with this, you know, clock and <laughs> teapot and this this candle. They they seem cool. Like the Beast was like, you will join me for dinner. That's not a request. And she's like, you know, screw that. I'm going to starve. But when they came to her, she was like, yeah, I'll do it. And when she walked into the room, there was all this, this French cuisine, like the, the flambe and the creme brulee and all of that. And they were all dancing around and she really felt at home. So the way I approach my, the Be Our Guest Welcome sequence is like, imagine that someone is coming to dinner with you for the very first time. And, you know, what would that experience look like for them? What would that conversation look like with them? How would you build that relationship with them? Yeah, I do. What's even worse is what I do, <laughs> where I advertise that I'm going to give you a virtual hug um, when you get into my get into my list. And then you you come into my restaurant looking for the hug. And then I give you nothing. <laughs> like mm. You're just waiting. You're waiting for the warmth of the hug and there's nothing. But I so love many of us waiting for that hug. That I know. Rob is still happened. waiting for that hug and it never came. Uh, <laughs> but I love I love the food analogy. And again, how how you talk about it, it's it just resonates. And because we're talking about offers, can we <laughs> like, we can't pass up a chance to talk about VIP days like we've talked about VIP days a lot on the podcast. But I still want to ask you what makes your VIP day possibly different from what other people are doing? Just so I always love to compare VIP days to see what's working and not working. Yeah. So what, what I love about VIP days, it's, it's great because it's, it's for the people who are like, I really want to get this done like today. <laughs> so to pull back the curtain a little bit, if you want to come into my kitchen, so to speak, the VIP day like starts long before the actual date it happens. So a lot of the magic is in what I call the mise en place. So, you know, when you're cooking, mise en place means, you know, everything is in its place. You chop the onions, you chop the carrots, you chop the garlic, you, you know, zest the orange, you chop all of your aromatics, you have your spices all in its place, the, your workstation is clean, all the dishes are washed and they're ready to go. So that when it's time to cook, you're kind of just throwing things in there. So if you, if you ever watch a cooking show, you're like, how the hell was she able to cook that in 10 minutes? It's because her mise was already in place. <laughs> so a lot of the mise en place happens before then. So I have a, a specific um, mise en place like exercises that I go through with people before they show up to the day, the VIP day. And I also make sure like not only did you get the, the mise en place done, but that, you know, I give you feedback on your mise en place. So in case you need to sharpen anything or, you know, add a little spice to something before you come to the VIP day. And then when you show up to the VIP day, um, a lot of it happens a lot quicker than you think. So I think I used to think of a VIP day like it has to be eight hours or so. But a lot of times it's four to five, maybe six. And then there's a long a lunch break in between because, hello, food's important. 
And then after that, there's so there's extra accountability because, you know, I will have your copy due to me by, you know, I think uh, what, it, it depends, but like roughly one week after your VIP day. And then I'll give you feedback. I'll give you feedback. I will celebrate the heck out of you. I will, you know, sometimes I film a Loom video dance. Sometimes I don't, but you know, I, I will celebrate you regardless for getting it done. But also like within that period, you get unlimited amounts of feedback and or yeah feedback and revisions so it's not like hey you know you have you need to have two revisions ahead of time but you can ask me any questions on voxer you know you can i can film you loom videos you can put comments and everything but either way you you're going to have a lot of that support uh for two weeks after your vip day and then you have that end point of like it needs to be done by this day and that's i mean it's important to me that you get it done so that's why a lot of those accountability is in there but really what my clients appreciate is that there's a container in there and that also like as they are writing their copy, there are email recipes. And my recipes are very much like uh, they pull a lot of the, the, the magic out of you. They're not these fill in the blank, you know, templates necessarily. And then there's also examples and inspo for them to pull from. Allison, when we started talking, you mentioned obviously nourishment is important to you you've built your brand around the idea of the kitchen and food. I'm curious how you nourish your mind these days. I know we've seen you at events and you've had coaches in the past. As you've changed your business a little bit though, how has that changed and where do you go for inspiration? Mm, I've been getting more into, well, I've always done this, but one thing that one thing that's like relatively new is like I take a lot of Epsom salt baths <laughs> because uh, that really helps because I, I move a lot like I dance, I do uh, strength training. So a lot of movement and, you know, really getting out of my head is, is, is the big thing. But then like those salt baths, that really helps me with relaxing. And like, I think even at, you know, conferences and stuff like that, what's great about a lot of the hotel rooms is that they have a big tub. Like I have a city tub, you know, like it's luckily I'm not tall by any means. So, you know, I could fit in it, but like hotel tubs, amazing. And Epsom salt, there's a lot of science that, that goes behind it and I won't get into it, but that's really helped with the nourishing part of it. And then of course, like after a big talk that I do, so whenever I have webinars, for example, or, or like during a sales event, I will always have, um, I will have a snack plate and I will plan my meals ahead of time. Like I remember after the most recent live training I did, I already had food delivered. I already made those decisions. They were nourishing meals. They were well-balanced and they were already at my doorstep right after I, um, right after I gave that talk. So that I didn't have to make those decisions and my body was real happy about it. Yeah, I um, upgraded my bathtub in the last year because it was just not going to work. And I'm a bathtub person as well. <laughs> and so <laughs> had to upgrade. I know, Rob, you're not a bathtub person. Definitely not a bathtub person. We have talked about this many times. <laughs> and so, Allison, as we wrap <laughs> up, again, like just so many things you're doing are uh, so impressive, you know, down to just even nourishing your your body after a workshop. Like it just makes so much sense. I guess... I'm just curious what you struggle with today. You've worked through so many of your own struggles and you've overcome them. And I know it's ongoing work, but 
What is a new challenge today as your business has grown that you're facing that you didn't have a couple of years ago? So I think it's still, it's like different levels of visibility. So I've talked about how I co-hosted a podcast before, and now I'm going to be launching my own one pretty soon. So I think like that's going to bring up a lot of the same old stuff and I'm going to have to work through that. But, you know, as you as you try new things, as I, as I am trying new things and experimenting with new things, those new challenges come along because you know how it is. Your your problems don't go away. You just have new problems. <laughs> so um, I imagine like if I'm anticipating a new problem that's going to happen, it's really of um, becoming podcast host now in addition to author and speaker, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you you might have just taken away my last question, which was going to be what's next for you. Maybe it's the podcast. Uh, is there anything else that's brewing in your business? Yeah, you know, we're always cooking up things. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's the podcast. And um, I've always been I've always been thinking about doing more PR and publicity because that's something I haven't quite experimented before. So we'll see. We'll see. One thing at a time. Awesome. Well, Allison, thanks for joining us. If people want to get on your email list and see how you do, you know, the Be Our Guest welcome sequence and how you talk to your audience and the different things that you shared there and everything else that's going on, where should they go? What should they do? So head on over to theconversionkitchen.com slash cook. And there you will find my Instagram. Um, definitely say hi to me on Instagram. I love talking to people on there, sliding on my DMs. I love having chats with you. So if you've learned something today, just come say hi. And on the conversionkitchen.com slash cook, there are my trainings there. There's the four flavors of emails that sell. There's um, a, a training in there that you could opt into. And I would love to have you on my email list and host you on there because I just, I love celebrating when people are in the building on my email list. So see you on there. <laughs> yeah. It's, and you do an awesome job. Just the, your emails are very personal and, and uh, I like them. They're, they're Thank fantastic. You, Rob. And, and let me also say you did a training for us in the underground about AB testing. So if anybody wants to check that out, they can go there and see that too, get a taste of who you are and, and the kind of knowledge that you bring to the table, but everybody should be on your list. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to have you as well on there, Rob, I will say. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to join too. I'm going to jump in, jump into the restaurant. <laughs> You've convinced me with all this food talk. Um, and I just, yeah, I want to thank you, Allison. It was, I mean, I was a fan of yours before this interview and now I just, I, this is so great. Um, we really appreciate you giving us your time today. Thank you. I'm a fan of you too, as well. That's the end of our interview with Allison. Before we go, Kira, what else caught your attention from the second half of what we were talking about? A quote from Allison. She said, as I grew, my business grew with me. And I think that's the most important part. She dived into all the shifts in her business. Um, we went through them in detail. And the biggest takeaway from for me is just that we will continue to evolve as humans. Hopefully we do. I, I, I know I want to change. I don't want to just continue to be the same person day to day. So as we do that, of course, our business will change. And I think it's really easy to fear that change or to feel like we're doing something wrong if we want to change things. Um, I don't know. There could even be like some shame in, in wanting to change, but at least for me, some negative feelings around that. But ultimately it's not a bad thing. And it just shows that you're changing as a person and your interests and values 
and many other things can change and that's okay. That's why we built these businesses. And if we were in a typical like corporate career, as we change, we would just jump to a new job, a new position, a new company, or maybe a new department. And because we don't have that ability to do that, it's our business, it's our brand. Um, we need to create those changes for ourselves. Otherwise we'll burn out or we'll lose interest. We'll shut it down. Something will happen. So I think it's just, Allison has made shifts and um, I just think that's, a, she's a really great example of how we can evolve in our businesses. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know if she said this on our podcast interview with her, but long ago we talked to Jenny Blake uh, about pivoting your business. And she used to say, or, or she used to say a lot, if change is the only constant in our lives, then we need to get better at it. And she may have said that on our interview with her. Um, I think that was like episode 41, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, change. We, we have to be okay with change because, you know, we're going to change clients. We're going to change the projects we work on. And specifically, you know, how Allison changed her business, this entire shift around the way she talked about marketing, the audience that she started working with, like it was drastic. It was, it was drastic enough that I remember seeing she sent out an email and I thought, oh, some people aren't going to like this. But that's fine because she was talking to a now a different audience, a new approach to what she was doing. And I love that, again, she just leaned into it and, and goes for it. And almost, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe she was a little worried about it, but it felt to me like she's, she just decided this needs to change and I'm going to lead the change. And she was good with it. Yeah. And calling it out too. I, I like that she was just like, hey, remember that thing I said a year ago or maybe even a month ago? I don't actually believe that anymore, or that doesn't work for me anymore. And I think we can just be really truthful as we change or our beliefs change around marketing or copywriting. And it's okay to call it out if we want to call it out. Um, so I respect how she's done that too. Yep. I agree. We also got a, a lot of really good advice about emailing, building your list, all of that kind of stuff. And so I think, I don't know that we necessarily need to you know, rehash or talk a lot about what Allison shared, but it's probably worth going back and listening to specifically, you know, what are you doing with your welcome sequence to help people feel welcome, to help them understand your values, the things that you're bringing to the table, how you can help them, uh, you know, why you should be building a list. All of that stuff is great. The, maybe the one thing I would pull out of there is just when Allison was talking about these collaboration opportunities and looking for the people that you can connect with, whether they're on your list, whether they're the people you can connect with, you know, in other ways. Um, it's never a bad thing to look for people you can collaborate with in your business. Yeah. And do some type of webinar swap or email swap. I mean, that stood out to me because I think the two of us could do that more with the copywriter club to grow our list. We could do more of those um, collaborative swaps and think about growth in a new way uh, with those perfect partners. And so I, that's something that we could do. Um, but yeah, as we wrapped up the conversation with Allison, I think my biggest takeaway was just like, I knew Allison was really cool already before talking to her in this interview. And I just, I just like her even more now after hearing about how much she loves bath time. We share that in common. Yeah. That, <laughs> I, I really liked both of you until you started talking about that. I'm like, oh, I just can't, I just can't get into the bath thing. I'm sorry. It's not happening. <laughs> um, it's okay, Rob. We can still be friends, even though we don't have the same hygiene habits. There you I go. We can still be yeah. friends. 
Yeah. Allison is a sharp copywriter. She knows what she's doing. She, you know, again, because of her experience in the SaaS world and with AB testing, she just, she brings a lot to the table. And I know I mentioned this at the end of the interview, but anybody who's in the underground should check out the presentation she did there because it's super, super smart, helps you understand why you should be testing, what you should be testing and ways that you can help your clients make progress with that. So uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, a little surprised we haven't connected with Allison on the podcast before, and I'm glad we finally got it done. This was one of the interviews I thought we had already recorded as well, because I was like, yeah. how did we not interview Allison? How did yeah. this not happen yet? So I'm glad we finally did it. Yeah. So before we wrap, we just want to mention a tool that we both use in our business. That's Typeform. We use it to create forms that are easy to use, gather client testimonials, uh, onboarding, intake stuff, surveys. If you want to try it out yourself, there's a link in the show notes. And if you want to see how it works, every year we conduct a copywriting income survey to find out what content writers, copywriters, copy editors, and others are charging for their services. And we're going to share all of the information we learned from that survey free on our blog, in our Facebook group. So you'll be able to see what other copywriters, content writers are charging for 22 different kinds of projects, along with how things like experience levels, language, and other factors change those prices. But before we can share that information, we need to collect the data. And that's where you come in. We're going to have a link to the survey in the show notes. If you like this podcast or anything else that we do in the Copywriter Club, please help support us by taking a moment now to fill out that survey. And be sure to share the link with other copywriters, content writers, copy editors, anybody who uses copy in their business so that we can get the most complete data as possible. And then we can share all of that data free to you. And the number one question in that survey is, is it data or is it data? <laughs> no, that's actually not a question on the survey, but that'd be an interesting thing to uh, find out what people think. <laughs> and that's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. The intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you liked what you've heard today, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll check it out. We'll uh, share it too, right? Yeah, let's share it. We'll share it. Okay. Or you can share this episode with someone you might think might like it. Just pass it on to them. And if you're on a listening binge and you want to listen to a couple of other people that we've talked to, check out episode number 234. That was our second interview with Linda Perry, all about shifting mindset, which we talked about on this podcast. And episode 258 with Liz Wilcox. She talked a lot about her own email marketing and how you make it simple. I already mentioned Jenny Blake's episode. That's a really good one as well. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Copywriters coming together to help the world write better, copy and make more money. Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club yeah, can make you lots of money. Listen to the Kira and Rob's Copywriters Club can make you lots of money as long as you listen through the whole so